0: Hey, welcome guys. We're thrilled that you are here. And thanks for spending your morning with us at Love Like Norman. Uh, we are continuing a series called Love Like Jesus. And that word love is a complicated word. It's a, it's a complex word, right? Uh, that word love, because it means so many different things. The way that we use the word love, is kind of, it's kind of weird. Because I, uh, I can say, I love my wife, I love Liz. I love my wife. And I, and I also, in the same breath, can say, you know what else I love? I love um, power berries from Trader Joe's. You ever get power berries from Trader Joe's? They're these little, like, berries that are covered with chocolate. They're amazing. I, I, I love those two. Do those two things mean the same, the same thing? Uh, I, I love my kids. I also love a really good hot dog. And uh, there aren't a lot of places in Charlotte to really get a good hot dog, in my opinion. I love a really good, we could argue about what a good hot dog is, but I love a good hot I love basketball. I can love your comment on Facebook, or at least I can, I can, like, uh, put a, I can heart it. Um, there's a show called, uh, raise your hand if you watch this, I'm not gonna ask you. There's a show called Love Island. Um, <laughs> keep your hand down if you watch this show. Oh, all oh, all of you watch it. Okay. Um, I don't even know what that show is, but I can guarantee you there's nothing about love going on on that show. Uh, There was a show called Love Boat. There's nothing about love going on that show either, right? I mean, maybe a little bit. Um, We need to learn to love um, more like Jesus. And and in order to do that, uh, we need to figure out how he loved. He was just different. Like, Like he was just different um this series if you really want to know and if you want to dig into the bible behind it um, there are 59 one another's statements in the bible 59 one another's in other words here's how we are to care about the community around us loving god means loving one another well and so some of those statements are things like this um love one another okay honor one another be devoted to one uh, another live in harmony With one another stop passing judgment on one another accept one another instruct one another greet one another Uh, it says greet one another with the holy kiss by the way I'm gonna leave that up to y'all I don't think Mike just told you to do that at least I hope he didn't but uh, carry each other's burdens carry each other's burdens. be patient with each with one another forgive one another don't worry I'm not gonna read all 59 just a few of them encourage one another aren't these great and they're all throughout the scriptures that the uh, that we are encouraged to be that kind of community for one another there's in, there's instruction there so, and it's like God is saying you want to love me love one another well but we have a hard time doing that we have a hard time understanding even what that means we have a long way to go you want to love like Jesus that's the title of this series love like Jesus is a very aspirational thing because very rarely do we really do this you want to love like Jesus let's look at how he loved right like let's look at how he loved if we want to love like him if we want to aspire to that at all looking at how he loved is what we have to do and there's one story in particular that I think is a must when we were planning this series out I was like we got to tell this story if we're gonna tell any story about how how Jesus loved and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you and share a couple of comments about it. it here's how it goes. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, look at this. He loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. So so for us, there's two ways that we like to show love. One of them is with what I say. right? like, like my words. And, and another one, another way that we like to share love is with what I With What I give now um, words are important words carry weight. We've talked about that before in here words carry weight It's important to tell people uh, I love you in different kinds of ways words can also be cheap can't they words can be cheap, especially if they're not backed um, backed up and, and now giving, what I, love, what I say and what I give, giving is incredibly important. In fact, one of our core values here is generosity is a lifestyle. We wanna, we wanna be a church where generosity becomes not just a thing we do, but a lifestyle that we have in our community, both individually and as a church. Um, it's a lifestyle when it's a reflection of, of the heart. But gifts alone don't really add up. I mean, gifts, gifts alone are not a good substitute for the real thing. If you walk around any high school senior parking lot right now, Well, right now it's empty, but if you walk around during the week, uh, if you go to like Huff High School, I've got a senior at Huff, there's some nice cars over there. (laughs) I don't know if you guys are doing that or not, but like there's some amazing vehicles in that parking lot, and I know some of them are just driving their parents' cars, but some of them have these really nice cars, and I'm not opposed to that. If you want to do that with your kid, do that with your kid, right? But just make sure it's not a replacement for real love, because sometimes we do that. Because sometimes it's actually easier to give something than to love well. Um, it's easy to speak, it's easy to give, it's harder to do what Jesus did. And it says he loved them to the end, right? What does that mean? He, he, he loved them to the end. So um, Liz and I have two goddaughters, you might know this, uh, their names are Jemiah and Jaloria, uh, Maya and Laura, if you wanted the easy version. Um, and they came into Liz's life, she, she entered their life five years ago, five years ago. Uh, really, and um, met the girls uh, through this ministry that they were a part of together, and, uh, and just she fell in love with these little girls, and their family, and their mom, who was a single mom, and she's got a lot going on in her life, and they have these, the, the girls had these, um, some health condition, uh, health issues, some heart issues, and Liz just kind of uh, invested herself in their life. Really, really, really quickly, she became uh, involved. God compelled her to be involved. And when I'm just going to say this. When Liz gets involved in something, she gets involved, right? I mean, like, involved. And so that turned into when Maya had a heart procedure, uh, and I think y'all were pretty new in this relationship. You showed up at the hospital and said, I'm going to stay here tonight so, uh, Mom, you can go home and, because you're exhausted. And, and so she lived at the hospital, Liz did, for a while with with, with Maya as a little girl, and um, all the while, what she was doing was asking this question that I wanna ask you, and I wanna ask us, I wanna ask myself today, and the question is this, what does love require of me? Not what could I do, or what should I do, or what are the limits of, of my love. What does love require of um, of, of, of me. so Liz spent the, the, the night in the hospital when mom was exhausted and home with the kids and um, it's that question uh, because you, you know something that's true about love at least loving like Jesus like Jesus does like Jesus did it's gonna require you and me to be inconvenienced like real love is gonna require you to be inconvenienced at times it's gonna demand that you set your preferences down because love is a decision. You know, it's not just an emotion. I'll tell that to couples who are getting married all the time. It's, it's, it's more than an emotion. It's a decision that you make and it's gonna inconvenience you in some ways. And Maya and Laura are a part of our lives now and, and I love that. I love that. But when we were dating, getting to know each other, she was telling me about the girls and I was like, ah, that's, that's really cool, right? Like that's really, that's really um, I- impressive. Like you're impacting a kid's life and it felt like it was so like, like Christian glamorous you know what I mean, like 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 Christian cool, you know. And I was just completely like, that is that's amazing. And my first thought was it was like a big sister, little sister kind of thing. But actually, what it, I realized pretty quickly was that it was like a mom daughter daughter's kind of kind of thing. And and having them as a as a as, as sort of in our house part time regularly is amazing and incredible. It's also really hard. And and it has meant okay, like Luke and Christopher and Bailey. My three kids, you know, like our three kids, they've had to change and open up space in their homes and in their hearts and enlarge space there. And and I gotta tell you, I mean, I love it. And I'm also a selfish person. I'm a selfish person. And there's sometimes I don't wanna answer that question, what does love require of me? I just don't. I don't wanna answer that question because there's a point pretty quickly where whatever glamour it is has worn off in the love that you're offering somebody. And it kind of, one of those places is when you're, helping a kid do homework that they don't really want to do or one of the places in when there's a not quite so stellar attitude going on and um and that's just me uh <laughs> no not just me um but but Liz has started out this conversation with saying we're loving them to the end you know Jesus said uh, then I it's it a John said about Jesus then Jesus showed us what it meant to love them to the end and Liz has said we're loving them to the end and I've said okay yeah we're gonna love them to the end what does that mean <laughs> and it's just like, "I don't know, but we're going to we are committed to it. Whatever it is. love will always demand more of me than I want to give. Here's the good part. Of this. Here's the good part. You can do this. Here's the good part. Um, when we're okay with that, when it's going to demand more of me than I really want to give, when we become okay with that, you are getting dangerously close to loving like Jesus loved. You were getting dangerously close in that moment, in those moments to loving like he loved. And so here's how it goes. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, remember that, this is important for just a minute from now, the, Simon, uh, the son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. The devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. Took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist after that he he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him so he had spoken life into them Jesus had with his words he had spoken life into them but he knew that um, for for him to show them the full extent of his love more was going to be required of him than that now in this day, these disciples were following Jesus like a rabbi. There were other rabbis around too who had followers. These were Jewish teachers who had begun to teach in certain ways and they had gained followers. And so these people would, would, would follow them around and they would cater to their master's requests and they would, they would serve him. That was just kind of the deal. That's what they would do. But Jesus got up and he decided, I'm gonna serve them. And so he gets up and he um, sends this shockwave through the room. He kind of takes off his outer clothing and he wraps a towel around his waist. And you know what he was putting on in that moment? The clothes of a servant. The clothes of a servant. I um, uh, after after one of my uh, I think my sophomore year in college I had to get a job. You know, like I just needed a job. And so my friend was working at this restaurant, and the the outfit for this restaurant was uh, a white shirt and black pants, black shoes, and a black bow tie. Um, don't think it was too fancy it was Olive Garden okay Uh, that was my work outfit that was my work uniform and I made it for all of five weeks in that job okay and I think one of those weeks was a vacation so it didn't really count Uh, I made it five weeks in that job before I couldn't stand it anymore but Jesus put on his his work uniform he put on servants servants clothes now, while, while other rabbis wore these like, flowing garments and flowing robes, you know what Jesus did? He put on this servant's uniform. Now, back up with me for a second. The, the shoes that the disciples would, would wear were actually sandals. I mean, that is what they wore. That was the typical shoe of the day. And so they come into this room, and uh, their feet are dirty. They've been walking around the, the town of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, on these dirt roads with all these other people and not only people animals okay now uh, we have two dogs and our backyard gets gross right and there are times where we're just going through and and scooping up what they've left behind now no one did that in this day so you're walking through the city and you're just getting all kinds of everything on your feet so these guys come in and you can only imagine how bad that was in fact in Jewish households they would have a basin beside the door and a pitcher of water and especially in wealthier places they would have a servant who would come along and it was their job to wash your guests feet it was just what they what they did now that was the lowliest job of the servants none of the servants wanted to do that right so they left that to the lowliest of the the servants to do that And so imagine these disciples, right? They come in and they've already been bickering about who was best. All these guys have already been talking among themselves and to Jesus about who's the best, who's the best, who's gonna get to sit beside him on his left and his right. All those conversations are going on and they might even be talking about him while they come into the room and Jesus is just sitting there watching every one of them pass right by this basin and pitcher. Maybe he's just watching them silently, seeing if anybody's gonna do anything. And they walk right by. Peter walks by, you know, maybe he's thinking, well, John's gonna take care of it. John walks in and he's thinking, maybe Judas is gonna take care of it. Judas walks by and he's, he's got other plans, he's got other things going on, so he's not gonna do it. And so silently, right, Jesus gets up and he takes that towel, you know, and he takes the water And he pours it into the basin. And I don't know what the disciples felt in that moment, but I'm sure that they were thinking, is he going to do this for me? Who's going to do this? Maybe he's just pouring the water. What is Jesus up to? But Jesus begins to take the water and go by each of his friends. And he kneels down in front of them and he takes on the lowest role that could be taken in that room. And he does what none of them were willing to do themselves. He washes their feet. You know that um, when it comes to uh, 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 serving, it's really interesting what happens. In that relationship of of someone serving to someone being served you know what has to happen like one person has to kneel and the other one has to yield right one person has to kneel Jesus knelt in front of them can I ask you this and I'm gonna ask myself this too because I'm asking myself this today Um, am I willing to kneel right Am I I willing to put this on my arm, to put on that uniform? Are you willing to kneel? Because we spend, I think, an awful lot of life trying to get other people to kneel for us. Are you willing to kneel? I think it just takes a special kind of humility to to do that. Because when, when, when I kneel, I have to leave something else at the door too. I have to leave my pride. I have to leave my my ego at the door. One person has to kneel, another person has to to yield. But let me just ask you this, have you knelt, have you knelt to serve somebody lately? Or or are you just more intent on other people kneeling to you? Now, let me ask this question to you as well. When someone's trying to serve you, are you willing to yield? Are, are, Are you willing to yield? Are you willing to set aside your pride and be served? Now, even a step further than this, can you imagine? Um, Judas is in the room. He hasn't left the room yet. If I were writing this story, if I were John and I were making it up, I would have had him leave the room earlier because there's something that he says. There's an interaction that he and Jesus have. I'm not going to read it, but um, in a, in a, a few verses from now, There's an interaction between the two where where Judas gets up and Jesus like whispers in his ear, what you're gonna go do, do it quickly. Jesus knew. But that hasn't happened yet. And Judas is in the room. And so Jesus kneels at Judas' feet to wash them. Knowing full well what was getting ready to happen. He knelt at the feet of his betrayer so Judas was getting ready to leave, he was getting ready to go do all of that, but not yet, he's still in the room. And so Jesus washes all of the dirt and everything else off of the feet of the one betraying him. It's so extreme, right? Like it's so extreme and we want to almost whitewash that and think, well, loving difficult people, it's gotta have limits, right, Jesus? Like it's gotta have, it's gotta have some limits. There's gotta be a, a place where it just, it just stops. Like the guy who did the awful thing, right? Or the woman who, who abuses her, her kids or the, the, the guy who voted for the other guy, right? I, you won't expect me to, to wash their feet, right, Jesus? And in one single act, Jesus blows that way of thinking out of the water. He blows that way of thinking out of the water because there's Jesus and Judas and there's Jesus at his feet. And, and we tend to think, Jesus, how could you? But let me just say this. It was a master stroke. It was a master stroke because what he was saying was this, I am not gonna be bound by what you do or don't do to me. That's not gonna determine my love for you. What you do to me won't determine how much I love you. Amazing. What determines how much I love you is what's inside of me, not what's inside of you. What determines how much I love you is what's inside of me, not what's inside of of you. There's a a passage in the book of Romans that says it like this. Paul reflects on all this, and I think he's he's looking into it, and he says, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And In doing this, he will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, he says, but overcome evil with Good. like like serving your enemy shows them that not only that they are loved it shows them that they are loved but it also does this it shows them that they don't have any kind of power over you anymore when they think you're doing serving your enemy is is like um, if your your boat you know anchor was attached to them it's like when you serve them it detaches the anchor of your boat to them and attaches it to God like it it detaches your anchor from them when you serve them it kind of breaks Whatever's there it breaks the, 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 the bonds you ever find yourself anchored to, to an, an enemy anchored to somebody who's who's doing you wrong or anchored to somebody who's a difficult person and they determine your attitude and they determine your actions and you've let yourself kind of go there with them when you do the shocking thing of serving them you break that attachment and you are attaching your anchor to God instead. It's like you're detaching yourself from them and you're saying to them, I can love you because I'm not attached to you in that unhealthy way. When it comes to difficult people, um, let me just say this, like make sure your anchor is attached to God, not them. Make sure your anchor is attached to God, not not them. And so um, he comes to Simon Peter and basically this, this is what happens, uh, who says to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? He's like, you're gonna do that for me? You're gonna wash my my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Um, After uh, my wife Susan passed away, it was 12 years ago, right afterwards, I had three young kids and two really bad cars, all right? Like two cars that were really in, in tough shape. And through a family member, this, this friend of our family reached out to this family member and then our, our family member, she came to me. And they said, we really feel like God is leading us to give, and this is crazy, to give Gerald and his family a car. And so I got the message back about that and I was like, no no way and she kind of went back and delivered that message and then uh, she came back a few weeks later and said you know they really are feeling like they really are supposed to do this and and I I pushed it away Uh, again I I pushed it away again and I was just thinking the things that you would think right like there's there's somebody that needs it more than I do Uh, and they came back again And I just had this resistance, you know, to to somebody doing something for me like that. And I realized this is like pride, you know, right? Like, you know that this is pride that I am struggling with here. Like I didn't want to be in need. I didn't want to need anything because you know what that would mean? It would mean taking that pride and having to set it down. And I didn't know, honestly, if it was worth it in the moment. And I was saying, kind of like Peter, no, you shall never give me a car. Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answers, hey, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I wash you, unless you let me wash you, you have no part with me. And what he's saying is this, you can't follow me unless you set your ego down and leave it over there at the door. You're really going to have a hard time following me unless you take your ego and set it down and leave it right over there. And it's like he's asking Peter, "Are you okay with humbling uh, yourself in front of me? Like, are you okay with putting yourself aside? Are you okay with with letting that part of you go so that I can serve you?" And then. Simon Peter, in typical Peter fashion, replies, uh, "Hey, then not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well—the whole thing. I'm all in." <laughs> Jesus, I think, is like, "That's amazing, right?" I think he's probably thinking that's incredible. But he answers, "You, those who have had a bath, need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. Though not every one of you, for he knew what was, who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every was clean." When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, do you understand? You called me teacher and Lord, rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, like those other guys right your Lord and your teacher, your rabbi, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you very truly. I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them." Now um, yes, you can literally wash one another's feet and that's amazing. I don't think he was just saying literally go wash one another's feet. He wasn't just saying literally go wash one another's feet. He's saying, what does love require of you? Go do that ask the question, what does love require of you? What does love require of me? It's a different question than what, what could I do, what should I do, what, what can I afford to do? That's not the first question he wants to invite you to ask. The first question he wants you to invite you to ask is what does love require of me? We wanna be people who love like Jesus, we wanna be a church who loves like Jesus. We will answer that question over and over and over and over again until the day that, that we die. We have to. What does it look like? What are some steps? Here are some steps towards that. Here are just a few thoughts. Here are some steps. Um, Look for what's needed. Look for what's needed. That's easy, right? There's needs around you. Look for what's needed. Maybe God's put a need in front of you. Look for what's needed and, and, and then be willing to be the first one to do it. So many of you are like that around here. I see you like pursuing needs and and relationships and people and even setting up this space and just, just going after things without even being asked. It's just an amazing quality to have. Be the first one to respond. Don't worry about what other people are doing. The second thing is this, don't concern yourself with worldly positions and titles. Don't concern yourself with worldly positions and titles. So ask yourself, what am I pursuing today? What's the thing I'm pursuing? What is the thing I want out of this? Those things just are gonna get in your way. They're going to get in my way when I begin to pursue those things. I I think that on the disciples' minds were who's in charge, who's going to be leading when Jesus comes in all his glory, and they walked right past an opportunity to serve one another. Third thing, last thing is this. Um, Just a reminder, or maybe for you today, I've got to detach myself from this person who is the one who is kind of controlling me right now. Keep your anchor attached to God. It's just easier that way. Like life is simpler that way. And when we do that, when we're attached to him first and foremost, what it allows is for us to serve others well. Even the people that are difficult, even the people that are hard, even the people that you feel like are an inconvenience to you, they just might be God's person for you. One last passage is one of these one another's in the Bible. Galatians 5.13 says it like this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And there's freedom, actually, in serving other people. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly and in love. Serve one another humbly and in love. Um, You know, Jesus... He calls us to this. He calls us to uh, this surrender. He calls us to submit ourselves um, to him and pursue this this joyful and selfless life. And he says, I'll walk with you the whole way. Um, One thing I want to tell you before I pray, I'm going to pray here. We're going to sing another song. Uh, One thing I want to tell you, though, is that um, one of the things that he calls us to in terms of uh, putting ourselves in front of him is uh is this thing called baptism and baptism is a uh this is just simple this simply this symbol it's an outward symbol of an inward commitment it's this picture of uh the old being made being made new and that's why he said he came was to make the old things new and so uh in a few weeks actually june 4th we have a baptism uh, event and i want to invite you guys to that to participate in that if you have not done that with your life if you haven't said yes to jesus as a believer um, uh, then this is an invitation for you to take a step, and I would say uh, there are a lot of there, there. There's like one great reason to say yes, and the main reason is this: is because one, it's one of the things that Jesus asks us to do. He asks you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to do it. There'll be a bunch of reasons for you to maybe say no, but there's one good reason to say yes: is because He asks us to. So uh, I want to invite you to that. I want to invite you to consider it. I want to invite you to talk to us or register. Uh, and and Mike will tell you in a minute about how you can do that. But it's a a beautiful picture, this beautiful step of what it looks like to follow Jesus with the body of Christ and your family around you celebrating. So um, don't miss that opportunity. Don't miss that opportunity. It's a great way to start or continue your relationship with him. I'm gonna pray for us, let's pray. Father, um, it's difficult to serve. Like it is is hard to turn toward um, others and to think about them first because uh, we have so many things on our minds and so many things we wanna accomplish and so many things we wanna do. Would you help us first and foremost to answer this question today, God? What does love require of me right now, today? What does love require of me? Who are you putting in front of me? Who are the people that maybe I've turned uh, a shoulder to that I need to turn back toward? What does love require of me, Father? Would you just help us to answer that question today and then help us to take up the towel, the basin and the water and the bowl and kneel. And God, when someone else is serving us, would you give us the courage and the ability and the strength to yield and to allow it to happen knowing that you are speaking through this service. You are doing something amazing. And God, we don't want to get in your way. Help us in this, God. Help us to be the kind of church who serves one another in this community well. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.